You are listening to Revolver Podcast. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local state and national laws before ordering. It's time to roll up those joints, pack those bowls, and fire up those nails. Because you're listening to Blazing with Bobby Black. What's up, stoners and stonettes, and welcome to another episode of Blazin'. I'm your host, Bobby Black. As I'm sure most of you know, cannabis use is now legal for all adults 21 and over in four U.S. states, as well as Washington, D.C. But of all those states, Colorado has been the one that has really led the way in regard to setting up a viable, rational model of how cannabis legalization should be handled regulatory, taxation, just creating an environment for this fledgling cannabis industry, this green rush, to really get off the ground and thrive. Now, when we say the cannabis industry, there's a lot of different uh, businesses that fall under that umbrella. Naturally, there are dispensaries and retail shops. There are paraphernalia and uh, smoking accessories. There are financial and security companies that service the cannabis industry. There's a whole plethora of businesses that one would include in this uh, green rush. But of course, the core of the cannabis industry, the reason for all the others, is the cannabis itself. What we're talking about are the breeders and the growers of the best cannabis in the world. Their focus has not been just to earn as much money as they can, but to help the patients to create the best genetics possible and to conduct themselves with integrity and be an example for all those in the industry. And the man I'm about to speak to is one such person. My guest this week is the owner and proprietor of Rare Dankness Seeds based out of Denver, Colorado, one of the top cannabis breeders and growers in the country, possibly even the world, Mr. Scott Reach. What's up, Scotty? How you doing, Bobby? Uh, thanks for having me on the show, man. Uh, thanks for being on. So uh, there's lots of exciting stuff to talk about. 
you've been around the block for a while now, uh, come, uh, you know, winning awards with your uh, various strains that you guys have developed, and uh, now you have some new facilities you're working on out there uh, as well. Uh, tell me, uh, tell me a little about what's going on in the world of rare dankness right now. Yeah, a lot of big changes uh, for 2016. As people know that I was licensing uh, rare dankness, some of our strains, and the usage of our name uh, to a few companies. Uh, Green Man and River Rock and, you know, a few Colorado facilities over the years that we worked closely with. But what we were finding is ultimately when your uh, brand is in someone else's hands, um, you know, your reputation is also in their hands. So uh, we got to a point where um, we realized our uh, destiny was really up to us and, um, you know, to maintain the level of professionalism and level of quality and level of um, connoisseur quality herb, uh, we felt it was best for us to go out and, you know, design and build our own facility and basically create a fully branded packaged uh, product from seed to concentrate. Well, that's pretty uh, pretty impressive. So uh, I've been I've been hearing little bits about this uh, facility for a while now. It sounds super impressive. Tell us a little more about it. I, I you said it's like fully automated. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, I've uh, I've been working on it for about a year and two months at this point. It is state of the art of a agricultural facility uh, that exists in the United States. It uses a lot of uh, Dutch-based horticulture and agricultural technology from the uh, environmental controls on your heating and cooling and lighting systems to dehumidification aspect and recycling of all your gray water, uh, plant irrigation, and uh, there's some amazing technology that's existed uh, for 40 years, basically. And it just hasn't really been available to us uh, as cannabis growers in the last, uh, you know, couple of years when garnered some legitimacy as an industry. And now you have some larger agricultural companies actually. Cool. And so is this, uh, is this would you say this is a, a green facility, no pun intended? <laughs> um, you know, well, since it's indoor, we do have a bit of a carbon footprint. Uh, and, you know, we're indoor because of the way the laws have kind of been written here in Colorado. You can't grow outdoor, outdoor. You have to grow in a greenhouse facility if you're going to grow sun-grown here in Colorado. And then, you know, there's only a couple of really good spots within the state that don't get, you know, six feet of snow, (laughs) (laughs) you know, through most of the winter, you know, that are actually productive to put greenhouses. And, you know, quite frankly, I don't want to live in Pueblo or Trinidad. So, (laughs) you know, I'm 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 not ready to build a greenhouse facility here. So, you know, what we did is we tried to build as low carbon footprint as we possibly could by recapturing all the irrigation water, all the dehumidification water, the gray water within the facility gets recaptured, uh, cleaned, recycled, sterilized, and it goes right back into our irrigation water. So uh, ultimately it gets used, you know, used on the plant. You know, the, the big thing I see in the industry right now is salaries are going down, and it's basically based on lack of skill, uh, lack of skill set through the employee base that's, that's out there. So what you end up with is you end up with a lot of low-skill workers doing really menial tasks. And, you know, no one makes a good living and everybody's, you know, constantly having to compete with the guy next to him. So what we did is we tried to take a lot of the menial task type stuff and automate it and then allow the employees that we will have to make really good living wages 
full benefit, you know, keep the employee number down and, you know, make them more of a family and keep it a lot, a lot happier. Sounds like you're uh, definitely setting uh, setting some new high standards uh, in the industry. You know, it's you know, it's it's up to us as industry leaders and community leaders or whatever. You know, it's very important for us to look after our employees, look after our fellow community. You know, not only put out good products for the patient base that's out there, but I mean, if you want to be a good industry man, whether you're you know building cars or building bicycles or whatever, I mean, you got to take care of your employees. Sure. Did you ever? I mean, it's the whole everything that's going on in, in the country with cannabis right now is so wild. Uh, I still never get totally used to it, and it, and it's you know it's continuing to change. It will continue to change. But did you ever imagine when you first started smoking weed or first started growing weed that you would be talking about being an industry leader or a community leader? No, no, not. I mean, you, you dream of it. You have those crazy stoned conversations with your bros about, you know, oh man, one day that when this is all legal, and you know, you hope for it. But no, I mean, when it all started to kind of unfold in 2009, uh, as the Colorado medical medical industry kind of came on board, you know, I I saw it as a chance to. Man, just try not to be as, as afraid anymore. You know, I have different fears now, you know, of course. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, you want to you, you wanna be a legitimate business person. You don't want to break the law, especially for laws that are extremely stupid, you know. And, and, you know, you hope and pray that something good will come of it. But did I ever think, you know, no, no, hell no. I never thought I would be an industry leader, no. <laughs> Let's... And I still, you know, I don't consider myself an industry leader, you know, like, uh, High Times gave me a Trailblazer Award a few weeks ago that I, I wasn't able to attend. And, you know, I had a good friend of mine, uh, Kenneth Morrow, Kay from Tricom's Technology, yeah. uh, accept, accept my award for me. Kay, Kay is a trailblazer, man. Like, I learned a lot of stuff over the years reading High Times, reading his articles. You know, I, I don't. Re- how can I be a trailblazer when I've been following a path of somebody else? You know? <laughs> sure, and we'll, we're definitely going to have uh, have Kenny on as a guest as well in the near future. I promise you that. Um, but awesome. talking about you know back when you maybe first started growing or first started smoking, give the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. How did you get involved in the cannabis industry? What made you start growing? I just had this conversation a couple days ago. It's actually pretty funny. <laughs> You know, I grew up in Alabama. You don't grow in Alabama unless you want to go to jail for a long time. <laughs> um, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. You were warned as a kid, even like carrying joints around, to, like you know, not have a joint and and baggies and stuff like that. Multiple, you know, ba- bags of weed, you know, separated into strains. Like all that stuff will get you busted for distribution. Honestly, when I moved to New York, when I moved to East Hampton, New York, uh, I, I was working in the bicycle industry. I worked for this kick-ass shop back then called Cyclepath. Man, I used to get tips all the time and labeled weed, you know, like branded weed, you know, Daywrecker and Northern Lights. And, you know, you would get all these, you know, varieties. And this is, you know, 95, 96. And I went from being a just like somebody who liked herb to, like, really being intrigued. I was, like, incredibly crazy intrigued about all the cannabis that had strain names and had different effects and living in new york it's one of those things you get to go to amsterdam because flights from new york to amsterdam are cheap you know you start dabbling over there and pick up seeds and you know it's just it's just natural it's a natural progression (laughs) 
you know, when I got involved serious, it was really about 99, I would say. You know, that was really my my change in mindset. I had just moved from New York to Colorado uh, the year before, and, uh, you know, I came out here with the full intention to grow, you know, weed for myself, not really to sell to anybody or any of that. And I just realized, like, when I got out here, how many different strains that, it, you know, I had access to all of a sudden because people were very sharing, the, the mountain communities are very sharing with genetics. You know, I felt the way to, like, preserve what I had was to start breeding and creating my, you know, own strains to have as backups in case I ever lost moms or, you know, genetics. And then as a way to, like, pay it forward to the, you know, people who had helped me out here. Right on, man. So what what were some of the very first strains that you ever uh, bred or developed? Oh, man. First, probably the very first uh, cross that I did was uh, 1999, 98, 99. This old blue strain that's been around Colorado for, God, since the 80s. Uh, which is, it's not really a blueberry, but it's, it's like a big fat Afghani that, you know, tastes berry-ish and they just call it old blue. Cross that with Spice of Life, uh, Breeder Steve, Sweet Tooth, and, uh, Brothers Grimm's Cindy 99. And, uh, yeah, they were amazing, you know, they were amazing crosses, <laughs> you know, like it, and I had friends that when I was making the seeds, they were just like, dude, you know, like it's a waste of time making seeds, you know, purposely, not by accident. We've all made seeds accidentally, <laughs> but, you know, purposely, you know, like I'm, I put pollen from this plant onto this plant to make these seeds. And it was like, you know, nothing good ever comes of that. You know, we've all grown a bunch of Dutch seeds. Like you might get one good one out of a hundred beans, but, you know, you're just wasting your time. And like every pack of seeds we cracked, it was like we found something new to grow. It seems like seeds are the bread and butter even more so than the strains nowadays, like as far as uh, bringing in revenue, no? Man, honestly, right now, the guy's making oil. You're making oil, dude. You're freaking killing it. You know, that was one of those, and it still is, it's one of those parts of the industry that I haven't dabbled in. You know, when people start talking closed loops and temperatures on their back ovens, man, I glaze over, you know? Like, I just, I don't don't get into that. I, I, I didn't do that even back then, like... You know, you dry sieved when your plants were done, uh, or you made bubble hash, and then you got rid of that crap as fast as possible. You weren't thinking about blasting it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, yeah, I, I honestly, like, the guys making CO2 pens and the dudes doing oil, just, uh, I'm I'm jealous. I, you know, I should have invested in that five years ago, and I would have <laughs> been in a lot better position. Seeds are good in the fact that uh, you get a lot of people giving you love back for just spreading the genetics you know i I honestly i probably give away two packs of seeds for every pack of seeds i sell (laughs) what you were saying about dabs and the oil and stuff uh as a lot of my listeners will know i i did most of the dab coverage for high times as the whole dab revolution was hitting and uh i i had to like really learn a lot of technical stuff really fast just to be able uh, and I'm certainly still no expert, but, you know, I had to learn a lot of terms and a lot of scientific uh, ideas really quickly because otherwise I wouldn't – I didn't know what the hell anyone was talking about. Yeah, I but, mean, honestly, man, like we're building a class one, division one uh, lab on our in our facility. And, I mean, I've devoted a big part of the space to processing extractions and trying to build a OSHA safe room, you know, like trying to really think ahead and – Man, I've had to hire hire people upon people upon people to help me with that because I I'm very fortunate to have 
had a connection to the old school and the old guard as well as the new guard you know like there there definitely was a division that started a revolution that started at some point around 2005 2009 and i'm i'm very fortunate that i kind of fall in between those two but yeah i mean i'm still out of the loop when it comes to all the concentrate i love smoking it but yeah yeah, like you will not see me operating a closed loop machine ever i (laughs) will hire people for that position (laughs) sure sure so how many strings at this point do you guys have in your in your arsenal (laughs) would you say Um, you know in the you know, I, re- I retire stuff all the time, stuff that doesn't, you know, just isn't popular, even though I might like it or, you know, it was a good whatever. Like, I retire crap all the time, you know? Like, I just, there's no sense, to, you know, in producing stuff, just produce it. That never is my gig. I always want to produce stuff that I want to grow, you know? Like, I, everybody's always talking about the customers are always right, man. I, I do stuff for myself, <laughs> you know, like I, I feel like I'm the best customer ultimately. And if I'm going to like it, everybody else is going to like it. I'm my hardest competitor. So, you know, like in the strain thing, we, you know, I think if you go on our website, there's probably 40 ish strains currently available. There's probably 28 to 30 of those. What are, what are the most popular strains uh, that you guys put out? Because I know, uh, like, the Ghost Train Haze is, like, we've always been super popular, uh, Star Killer OG. You guys have had a lot of uh, award-winning strains as well. So what what are, like, the most popular uh, ones? You hit them, man. Ghost Train kills it. Star Killer kills it. Scott's OG, Rugburn, Blood OG, Moonshine Haze, Grey Fox. How many cannabis cups have you guys won? So actual cup cups is... is or so you know we've won a bunch of seconds and thirds and you know i don't really consider those winners <laughs> well it's <laughs> you know? uh you know it's still it's still nice to hang uh, up on the yeah, wall if you ain't first you last uh, what's the ricky bobby saying ain't that it? <laughs> you know, if you ain't first you last <laughs> <laughs> that's right when was your first cup when did you first uh, attend a cannabis cup you know i went to a cup back in the 90s 96 97 ish and I met Soma back then. It was like one of his first cuts. And we kind of, it was funny. We became friends and we didn't know we became friends. We just had kind of a, a weird interaction that happened at the show. And then like three years later, we were talking online. And I was like, yo, man, like, you, I don't know if you remember this, but like at the 97 show, somebody bumped into you and knocked your plan over. And I was the one that stopped you from like kicking his ass. <laughs> And he's like, oh, yeah, like, I totally remember you. And, uh, you know, we've been friends for 16 years at this point, you know. Like, I never thought going to a cup. Yeah, you know, I thought, hey, it would be cool to have one of those. Never thought that, you know, we would have our own cups. And it's an amazing thing to win that first one. I remember, and you you can probably still find the video on YouTube. You go to the 2011 Cannabis Cup in Amsterdam when we won for Moonshine Haze. Which I consider the you know the moment that Rare Dankness really put itself on the map. You know, like you can hear my excitement when we won that. Like I scream for thirty seconds for that. Video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, it's I'm I'm proud of. I, what makes me proud now is I don't have to compete. I haven't competed in a cup in you know two years. All the awards we won the last two years, the twenty something awards we won across the world in the last couple of years. I've been through people growing our seeds out. Oh, so yeah, so you don't even need to, you just kind of sit back and you're like the puppet master. You just spread the genetics yeah. and watch everybody else. Uh... And that's honestly, that's the proudest. That makes me more proud than winning my own cups. I mean, 
I try to never ever toot my own horn, you know, like I grow, I don't really grow weed anymore. I get to grow seeds a lot, you know, um, there's only a very few small people, group of people that I get my personal stash from, you know, like I'm very particular about that. And when I get to grow like a few lights of my own personal stash and I have overage, I just give it out. I'm so proud of being able to like give my weed out and have my friends who, you know, grow their own great weed, open up my jars and just gush over it. You know, it makes me really proud to know that even after all these years, I haven't gotten complacent on that aspect of it. I still put a lot of effort into the dry mature. I, I trim like a fucking horrible person, but <laughs> you know, I, and I've all I've always stated that. You know, there used to be this term called the Colorado trim. <laughs> when the, you know, everybody used to talk about how really shitty weed was trimmed in Colorado. Like, I started that. I'm responsible for that. <laughs> Every, you know, everybody trimmed their weed like California back in the 90s. When I moved out here, I was just like, fuck that, you know? So I left it, you know, trimmed, but, you know, the sugar leaf on it. And that caught on. And, you know, for over a decade, that was the uh, the popular way to trim out here. And when the... You know, the industry popped off and everybody had to like really step their step their their game up. You know, that went away and it was kind of funny because everybody was like, "You still get that if you ever get Scott weed." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, uh, so this this amazing new facility that you're building, well, how much is it going to be able to put out? Do you uh, project? Uh, you know, in the first year, it'll be spotty because you have to ramp up with your licenses and your patient count increases. So, you know, like. The building comes on in phases, you know, and there's like a phase one, a phase two. But once it's fully operational and it's fully running, you know, if it produced 8 million grams of usable product a year, I'd be, you know, I'd be happy. Wow, 8 million grams. That sure sounds like a lot. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like a lot. <laughs> and is it going to be, are you going to be producing pretty much all of your product out of one facility? Or are you still going to have other other facilities going other places? You know, this is going to be the Colorado facility that is going to be the training grounds and the template for the multi-acre light depth greenhouse facilities we're going to be building into other uh, territories. So when, you know, we're looking at California, we're looking at Vegas, we're looking at a couple spots on the East Coast. Uh, It's much cheaper to build on the greenhouse, you know, per square foot. You can build a really sick greenhouse at about $70 per square foot fully automated light depth where, you know, an indoor setup, you know, could cost upwards of, man, two or three hundred bucks, you know, per square foot if you did it, you know, super crazy. So, you know, it's for us, though, you know, no one in this country besides Eurofresh, which is down in Arizona, um, has the ability to run a multi-acreage, you know, greenhouse efficiently. And efficiency is how you Pay employees well and keep your overhead down and, you know, not stick it to your patients. So, you know, we want to have the training ground to where you can come in, be fully trained in all the protocols and how the automation works and how our systems work. And, you know, and then we send you out to wherever and you, you do your job. You mentioned earlier about the uh, branded weed and the, the people who develop and, and create strains have created brands that people trust you guys are definitely among the top of those in my mind but um i'm just curious what you thought about um this the the new trend that's coming out of like celebrity branded weeds and pre-roll joint packs and stuff do you see rare dankness getting involved in pre-roll joint packs and 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 things of that nature or celebrity uh, yeah i have no intention on doing pre-roll you know my 
product base right now uh, will consist of packaged branded flowers, packaged branded oils, uh, you know, straight varieties, and then mixes or blends of the oils. Uh, and then we are going to work with a few of the bigger um, edibles companies uh, here within Colorado to basically become their main source product so they don't have to deal with the pesticide recalls and contamination issues that, you know, a lot of them are having to deal with by, you know, sourcing from multiple sources. Uh, also help standardize their products and then, you know, we get to co-brand uh, into those products. You know, and then our merchandise line, you know, and then from that, you know, uh, you know, bait pens and all the, you know, bare necessity type stuff. But we're putting in all the lab work and all the space to branch into, you know, kind of biopharmaceuticals and all that. But I don't, you know, I don't want to do that out of house. I want that all to be, you know, in-house and under the brand and under the umbrella. But, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, everybody right now, uh, Willie's got his brand. Julian Marley's got his brand. The Marley family's got their brand. You know, Snoop's doing his thing. You know, honestly, it was kind of funny because when all that was, you know, and all that was going on, you know, we consider ourselves a global brand. I don't really consider myself just a national brand, but... You know, that was definitely the thinking. It was like, well, you know, we're already known for our seeds. We're known for the genetics. We're known for, you know, consulting. We're known for the Cannabis Cup Awards. We're known for, you know, when we had our own shop producing some of the best flowers in the state. Why not just, you know, brand it? So, you know, we sat down and did a top-to-bottom, you know, business plan and business performa, and I went out and pitched it to, like, 64 groups, you know, over, like, a year's time. So, well, six months. And, you know, like everybody, I'd say 90% of the people we pitched to thought it was a great a great plan, a great idea. They wanted part of it, but ultimately it was just too much, you know. Like they wanted ownership rights, uh, rights to run at uh, crazy amounts on the interest, things that just I wasn't willing to bend to. And, you know, my game plan from the start was just to get a, a business loan, you know, like go out, find a bank or find someone who would just do like a straight business loan with a, an interest rate. And man, I, you know. It's got to be hard with cannabis guys. as your business though, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, totally. Like I'm building this branded business. I, You know, and you know, people thinking, telling me it's a great idea, but at the same time trying to squeeze you, you know, it's just, I know what the squeeze was coming from and it was because we're a cannabis business, you know. If I was pitching you a dry cleaning business you give me the money and pat me on the back and you know like w- watch me blow up but because i'm a weed guy with a you know associate's degree in metal you know and welding and metallurgy <laughs> you know like you're gonna bend me over and you know that just that just was never my game plan either uh either it would happen or it wouldn't you know like my consulting business my genetics business like oh that's successful i didn't really need to do this it was something that i saw as a chance to better my you know my friends my family the people that were around me and then you know ultimately do something bigger for the industry you hit on a, a an important point about the about the industry is that not only is it an, a it's a new industry and there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of money to be made it's also operating in a gray area legally obviously um and now you have a lot of uh corporate money and carpetbagger type people jumping in just looking to make money who don't have the reputation or the integrity or the history that the people who love the plant uh, and have been involved with the plant for decades in, in many cases do. Um, so I think that the relationships that you form must be very important and your reputation, you have to really guard it. Oh, oh man, yeah, definitely. You know, like that's, 
you know, what you said right there is kind of one of my, it's been one of my sticking points. I, I, if my wife knew I was about to say this, she'd probably kill me. But, <laughs> but yeah, man, like one of my biggest questions that I've come back with lately, I've become very jaded, I can honestly say, in the last year. You know, I, I realize how much more charitable we need to be towards just our industry and towards just our fellow man and, you know, just respect and, you know, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, there's just a lack of respect and that carpetbagger mentality that just kind of gets to me. And, you know, one of the questions that comes out of my mouth really, really frequently when I meet new people with money that are coming into this industry was, what were you doing for the last 10, 10 or 15 years? Like, what, what, weed, what weed stuff were you into? You know, what, anything. Did you donate to normal? Did you buy high times? Did you... You know, man, did you freaking buy AIDS from your local weed guy on a regular <laughs> basis? You know, like, well, what did you do? Because I know what I did, you know, and, and a lot of people actually know what I did because I was, you know, I was fairly, you know, even though I was underground, I was fairly above board with what I was doing, you know, even being an underground person, being part of the online communities. But, yeah, like, you know, just, just what the fuck did you do? What were you doing? You know, like, why did this take so long for you to get interested in it? Because... You know, if you had thrown the money in it, if everybody had thrown the money at it a decade and a half ago, it would have happened a decade and a half ago. But it took till you know, just recently for enough people to throw enough cash at it and for our economy to get bad enough for it to become even halfway interesting for it to be a legitimate industry. For sure. and, and it, I, it, it irks me, man. It irks me. Yeah. Well, I got to say that uh, – and I, may, I might be a bit biased about this because uh, we've been friends for a while now. But uh, I'm always happy to see people who – become successful who legitimately love the plan and who I know have integrity and, and who come correct uh, in this industry. And, and so I'm I'm happy to see you guys building up and creating the brand that you are because uh, you guys deserve it for sure. Thank you. That means a lot, man. So when is your facility going to be uh, up and running, you think? You know, we're shooting for March 1st. You know, if it happens April 1st, it is what it is. But we've been working at it long enough. I can see light at the end of the tunnel. It's you know, it's happening. And what about um, what about genetically? Like, what do you guys have any new strains uh, on the horizon that you're developing? You know, with this new facility, it's like everybody's asking me that. Like, oh, what do you work? What have you worked on for the last two strain wise? And it's like, <laughs> eh, I kind of fucked around with a few things, but honestly, <laughs> like, I've been building this, you know, multi million dollar facility. Yeah. Like, my fo- my focus has been learning HVAC and learning you know, irrigation and engineering and, you know, city code and, you know, just crazy stuff that I never thought I would have to learn. Um, but, you know, genetically wise, like the, we're so replaced so well to be, um, you know, just a, one of the top performers because we have unlimited space. We have a huge plant count that we're now going to be working with. And, you know, it's just me and my wife, man. Like, there's no partners in this. There's no fingers in my honey pot and all that. It's just, you know, it's like what we want to work for and what we want to develop. And, you know, the sky's the limit. Right on, man. Well, it sounds like you uh, you got your future set out nice and uh, clearly for you. So where can all the listeners uh, find you guys online if they're interested in checking out some of your, your products and stuff? The easiest is raredankness.com, rare underscore Agnes on Instagram. You know, like I don't hide on Facebook. Uh, so it's, <laughs> I reach on Facebook. So yeah, man. You know, we're we're around, and then you know, I get out to. I don't get out to as many 
events as I probably should. Uh, and lately, I've been to more business events than I really honestly should be going to. But, yeah, I'm trying to be a face right now for our industry that has, like you said, has a little bit of a, a history with it. You know, I, I want to make sure going forward that, you know, people can still grow at home. Uh, patients still have the right to grow. I want everybody to have the, the right to grow this plant. You know, like I don't want to see it rescheduled. Every time I hear somebody talking about rescheduling, it drives me crazy. Like, just declassify it, man. Like, take it off the scheduling. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you want to regulate it on the commercial side, regulate the hell out of it. But, you know, people should still be able to grow a few plants at home. You definitely should be able to take care of yourself, take care of a couple of patients, and, you know, and then not come back to haunt you on legally, you know, criminally, financially, you know, none of that. Right on, man. Well, uh, I wish you and Pam and your whole team the best of luck and all the success in the world. And thank you so much for taking time to talk to us today, Scott. Hey, no worries, Bobby. You have a good day, man. All right, that's all we've got for this week. I want to thank my guest, Scott Reach. I want to thank you guys for tuning in and toking up with me once again. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Bobby Black, Facebook and Instagram, at Bobby Black 420. Be sure to check out our Facebook page, Blazing with BB. Give us a like, leave us some feedback. Be sure to tune in again next week when my guest will be the Executive Director of the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Mr. Alan St. Pierre. Until then... This is Bobby Black saying, blaze on, brothers and sisters. Want to grow your own weed but not sure where to get the seed? Go to bcbuddepot.com. For nearly 15 years, BC Bud Depot has been building one of the world's most comprehensive seed banks, offering over 50 strains of top-quality cannabis to suit every grower's needs, including multiple award-winning strains like Godbud, The Perps, BC Blueberry, Girl Scout Cookies, and more. In fact, BC Bud Depot's genetics have won over 30 different cannabis awards over the past decade. So you know you're dealing with a recognized industry leader that will deliver you some of the most potent, flavorful flowers on the planet. They ship worldwide, offering fast, discreet delivery at reasonable prices. All online orders are processed within 48 hours and are packaged and mailed with the utmost stealth and safety in mind. And if for some reason your order gets lost, damaged, or confiscated, BC Bud Depot will resend it at no extra charge guaranteeing that every customer receives what they paid for. Whether you're looking for indica or sativa, indoor or outdoor, feminized or auto-flowering, BC Bud Depot has the seeds you need at a price you can handle. But don't take my word for it. Check out their extensive library of award-winning genetics for yourself at bcbuddepot.com and type in promo code BLAZIN420 at checkout to receive 10% off your order. BC Bud Depot home of cannabis champions since 2002. Please check your local, state, and national laws before ordering.